Hi guys, and welcome to the, I think it's the 15th podcast now, um, of the ASU Sports Business Podcast. For those attentive ones, you realise that I've changed the name a bit, but it's all good. Um, but yeah, thanks for your your comments and your feedback from our previous podcast with um, Emeka and Yedike. It was really good, great insight about his views on the sports business market in Africa, basketball, football. If you haven't listened, then go on our website or SoundCloud or Apple and have a listen to it. It's our 40th podcast. Um, and today, I'm not going to be around the bush or anything like that. I'm going to get straight into it. So today I'm pleased to yeah, introduce you guys to or yeah, introduce you guys to Ben Sadler. He is the CEO of Alive and Kicking, a charity based in the UK, right? Based in the UK, but work in Zambia, Ghana, and the last one is Kenya. That's it. Um, we had a great, they do great work. So Alive and Kicking, the charity was founded in 2004. Um, they're a charity that established support and grow sport for good business so they can make beautiful and durable boards in Kenya, Zambia, and Ghana. And they have such a unique model. It's a holistic approach, addresses real problems of poverty, unemployment, and preventable disease in Africa. So they're going to those three countries and they literally set up shop there, employing local people, giving them jobs, you know, and giving them a better way of living, a better life. And so today we were actually recording the studio from their, from their office or shop window in trendy Huxton in London. Mm-hmm. It's really, really such a good space. You walk in, they have like a mini pitch laid out on the ground, and they have great boards. Um, but yeah, enough of me, guys. Now let's introduce to Ben. Ben, how are you? How's it going? I'm very well, thank you. Great to have you here. Likewise, likewise. Um, it's a pleasure. This has been in the, in the works for a while now. Yes. I've been ill, but it's been busy, and I've been <laughs> ill again, but we finally made it. Um, so Ben, just want to give a little introduction about yourself, how you get to this space? Yeah, I mean... Personally, I've been involved in, in sport for development, and, oh, football mainly, actually, yeah. since I graduated university. Um, I started as a, as a football coach and was lucky enough to travel a little bit, Yeah. Um, and then ended up being a, a football coach in Zambia. Uh, I was there for a few years, mm. and then spent some time in, in Kenya and Uganda as well, mainly. Um, but it was when I started to see how you know sport could be used yeah. as, a, as a tool for development, um, and also how I got to know Alive and Kicking. So Alive and Kicking has actually been going, around, going on for... 15 years now. Oh, wow. Um, and I was lucky enough to wow. work in or work from the offices of Alive and Kicking in both Kenya and Zambia. Um, so I got to appreciate the model and say, oh, wow, this really is something mm. quite quite innovative, mm. um, quite different to the, the standard charity setup. Um, and yeah, now I'm at Alive and Kicking, which is, yeah, I'm very, very, very lucky. Do you know what? You, you, you said that you guys, obviously I said 2004, but I didn't actually register as me in 15 years. Mm. How, in such a, or let me not, let me not, they not assume, but in the African market, how have you guys managed to last so long, like for 15 years? I'm sure you've had your hurdles and whatnot, your challenges, but how have you guys managed to bring that longevity or have that longevity? Yeah, it's, it's definitely been a challenge, but I think, I mean, you mentioned in your introduction, what we're about is, so we're a UK charity and yeah. we, we set up um, ethical ball manufacturers mm-hmm. in country. Um, um, when we say we're, we're not a kind of, our, our Kenyan operation is not a, 
a branch of our charity, if you see yeah, what I mean. It's yeah. his own operation. It, yeah. it exists as a Kenyan organisation. Yeah. It has Kenyan management and is driven by a local Kenyan um, board. Mm-hmm. And I think that's been a big part of it. Is is you know it hasn't been driven by us in the UK saying this is what you should do. Actually, yeah. it's driven locally. That's made a huge part. Um, and there have been financial challenges uh, every now and again, just as we've grown. And kind of on average, it's taken about five years to get each centre to, oh, to wow. a point of self-sustainability. Um, self yeah. um, and that has involved a little bit of support um, from UK financially, from accessing grants and things. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's been driven mainly locally, and that's what we always wanted. How have you... This is all funny, because I've had a little script that I, that I said I was going to stick to, <laughs> but I really haven't right now. But following from that, though, how have you managed to, in, the, in those say, separate entities that you set up in those three countries. Have you managed to build that relationship internally and managed to grow it? Especially whilst being, no, you know, whilst having been here in the UK and obviously in those three countries, have you managed to, like, yeah. grow and build those relationships? Well, I mean, maybe I could, I could say a little bit about how the organisation started and that yeah, kind sure. of answers a little bit of <clears> that <throat> question. So, we, um, like I say, we started back in 2004 because uh, there was actually a teacher who um, was coaching in a local school and all the balls um, that he was using were donated from the UK. Yeah. And they were lasting about two, three weeks. And he was like, well, what, what can we do to kind of solve this situation? And he had a look around for trying to find a, a more durable football and couldn't. Mm-hmm. I thought, okay, let's, let's manufacture them, let's make them. Um, and it just so happened that Adidas actually used to manufacture balls um, in Kenya probably 10 years before. Yeah. Um, so he managed to find the production manager who worked for Adidas. Um, and it was, it was his expertise. Um, that kind of led us to start building it. Um, and because we started it in-country, we were able to access that expertise as well. So, so our, our local board and our local management, um, there was a bit of a kind of crossover between people in the UK and, and, and people in Kenya who already had kind of relationships. Yeah. Um, so that connection was already there. Um, and we felt, you know, to, to help raise that initial funding to grow Kenya, uh, having a UK charity base um, would help that. So we kind of, I guess the, the UK operation and the Kenyan operation grew together. Yeah. And I think when, as we've grown into other countries, it's actually been uh, us as one big collaboration. So when we opened in Zambia in 2010, it was our Kenyan team that went out to, to, to okay. uh, Zambia yeah. um, and helped them grow that with support from the UK. So we've always kind of helped each other along the yeah. way. And I think yeah. that's where it, it is a challenge. And, you know, when you're working thousands of miles away from each other, um, you know, you have to make sure that you're, you know, you're, you're all kind of connected into the same vision and mission. Um, but I think because we've grown together, that's really helped. Yeah. Yeah. No, um, sounds good. And I, I want to get these stats in because check them out on the website and on socials. Um, but a few stats from what I've seen. So you've created more than 1,000 jobs in sub-Saharan Africa, right? And this is, this is, because at the end of the day, Everyone likes to, everyone likes to generate some money. So here's the key thing as well. In, is it in those three countries or Kenya, Zambia, and Ghana? You've contributed over four point five million pounds to the to the local economy. Yeah, across those three economies. Yeah, that's that's incredible. And even when I saw that, I was like, wow, because I've spoken to a few people working in the charitable side of things. You know, CSR. And the perception that maybe some, some from the corporate industry, the perception that they might have is like, oh, they don't really, it's maybe just like a tick box that so they don't really add to what we want to do. But not to neglect what you're actually there for, you know, the charity side of things, it shows that 
the both can work and go hand in hand. And the question to you now that I want to ask is, um, when you go about maybe looking to see who to work with or partner with or whatever, do you, are you more concerned about working with people who actually understand what you, what you want to do or just anyone who has a budget to help you, help you guys do what you want to do? Yeah, I think it's it's really important that people are bought into what we do. That's for yeah. sure. Like, um, you know, they, they appreciate the, the different sides of our mission. And maybe I should just quickly mention those as well. So we kind of um, we obviously manufacture footballs mm-hmm. or sports balls. Actually, now we, we manufacture another different balls, um, and that has been amazing in creating yeah. um, ethical employment and those thousand jobs. Um, and then on top of that, um, as we started to sell balls, we started to make a bit of a profit, and, and we're set up as not for profits. Yeah. So obviously that money goes nowhere unless we put it back into the organization, which is what we do. Um, and kind of from that, we've started to donate a number of balls. So since we started, we've made over 900,000, almost yeah. a million. So we're approaching wow. a million. Big news. Do um, you have any more you need to get there? Uh, I just checked out. We're 70,000 short. So it's probably going to be the end of this year, uh, early next year. Good. Um, good. So not far away. Um, but from the profit and additional fundraising, we've been able to... Um, yeah, donate balls. So I think it's about it's almost two hundred thousand since we started. Yeah. Um, and also we've been able to, and this sounds a bit strange, but train up local sports coaches to deliver health education. Yeah. So mainly around HIV and quite recently mental health as well. Um, so th- th- those that's kind of our main mission, I guess, is those three areas: is is ethical employment, is um, health education, and you know giving young people access to play. That really, yeah. was, I think we all you know we all deserve we all have the right to play. So that's what we help do. So when going back to your question, kind of yeah, when we're looking to partner with organisations, we, we like them to be bought into that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think you're right. Like we've actually, in terms of that stat you just mentioned, um, in, in terms of uh, what we've contributed to the local economy, it's quite a, a new stat. That actually, we've been working for a long time. We've had some amazing support um, from some um, economic experts who've helped us get that figure. Yeah. Um, but that's helped us talk to more organisations because yeah. you're right, particularly with corporate organisations that we're starting to get more involved with. They want to know about the kind of what's the financial benefits yeah, of this, of course. Um, and if we can tell them that if they invest a certain amount of money to help us potentially grow a centre or open a new centre mm-hmm. in a new country, mm-hmm. we can say to them, you know, within two years you would have contributed this much to the local yeah. economy. They really appreciate that. So it's a yeah, it's a mixture of obviously getting getting buy-in from them, but also what do they want out of it? So yeah, with with a lot of organisations, mm-hmm. they want these kind of these these figures. It's good, and um, so from what I've just said about the jobs created and obviously the the impact that or the the money that you can bring into a local economy um what has been the the other impacts through what you guys are doing in those economies yeah so um i guess in terms of um the job side of things Mm -hmm. so like you say you've mentioned we've created over a thousand jobs and of those um, jobs 90 percent of the people we employ um I haven't had any kind of formal work before, no. so we work with local charities um, who are working with people from what they call um, vulnerable job backgrounds. Yeah. So that might be because of a, a disability, it might be because of gender, um, it might be because they haven't had the opportunity to go to school. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's where we we'll work, kind of, I guess, get referrals from to employ people. Um, and then there's kind of a, a, I guess, indirect impact from that. So on average, each of our employees supports five dependents. Um, over seventy-five percent of our staff use their income from A and K. Um, to pay their kids through school, wow. um, over 60% use it to pay for vital healthcare. So there's kind of there's that bit of impact um, in terms of the health education side. 
So like I mentioned earlier, we, we don't deliver that ourselves. We mm. train up local organisations and local sports coaches okay. to do it. Um, we've trained over a 1,000, it's actually 1,300 coaches. Um, and the great thing about training local coaches, as you'll know, is you're, you're building capacity and that programme can continue for as long yeah. as that coach delivers it. So as long as you stay engaged with them, that continues. Um, so we've reached around 82,000 young people there. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and what's exciting, I think, is we do see big big changes in, in not only knowledge, but also in behaviour around you know HIV. And using HIV as an example, that would be you know, checking your HIV status, for example, yeah. once you've been through an NCREATE program. And then the final one um, is um, ball donations. And I think this is one we're really careful about, actually. So when we do donate a ball, we're, we don't just give it to anyone. Yeah. We kind of naturally be built up a, a large network of, of sports organisations and sports coaches and things. And we want to make sure we give it to the right organisations, to the right people, and we know it will get used properly. Yeah. Um, so we've donated almost 200,000. Um, and we, we basically ask for feedback on all of the balls that we donate. And we know that at a minimum, they reach 45 young people. Wow. Um, and my maths is terrible, but I think at the minute, it's about 180,000 balls, mm-hmm. which means we've reached about 7.5 million kids. Wow. Only 7.5 million young people have, have kicked a donated ball. So that's not all of the balls we sold. That's, yeah, yeah. that's 900,000 balls. But of the 180,000 balls we've donated, we're confident that over 7 million kids mm-hmm. have kicked one. So um, that's one of the things I'm really proud of. I think when, when we talk about access to yeah. sport and getting people playing, um, that's a really exciting thing. Maybe I missed this, but how do you guys go about determining how many balls to sponsor or what needs to happen before you can sponsor X amount of balls? In terms of like the donation yeah, of balls, yeah. So we, um, <coughs> it's a bit of a mix. So from the profits yeah. of each centre, um, they donate a percentage. Um, in terms of donate a percentage of those products to pay for a lab kicking balls to be given okay, out. Yeah. Um, and we have a, a list of organisations and people are coming to us all the time asking asking for balls. So that's yeah. part of it. Uh, and then, but we also have, you know, people can go through our website um, and they can donate balls directly to, to anyone or yeah. to uh, directly to an organisation. Yeah. Uh, but we also partner, and that's kind of the big one. So, you know, partnering with corporates, whether that's locally or in the UK, um, with big NGOs like UNICEF, um, who they might be running programs, we'll partner with them to donate balls, so they would provide the funding for that. Yeah. Um, so to give you an example, you know, we, we'll partner with organisations around the World Cup, okay. and we'll say, hey, you know, the World Cup's coming, we'd yeah. love to get young people playing, um, would you be willing to, to donate some balls as part of that? And often as part of the deal, you know, they'll have their label on the ball, that's something we do. Um, so yeah, there's a bit of a mix. So it's, it's kind of we donate balls directly from our profits. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just any individual public member can can donate balls themselves, or we'll get companies to get yeah. involved and then they'll donate some. Interesting. Yeah. Um, and in which, because obviously you're a free African country, but you're also here in the UK. How is that split up? So, for example, <clears throat> in the UK, do you get more donations, and like in, in Kenya, do you get more sales through? I don't know, individual cells or how does it work? How does it split? So in terms of the ball donations, so all, all the ball donations happen mainly in the countries um, they're made. Okay. Unless an organisation has stipulated there has to be somewhere else. So sometimes someone will say, I'd, I'd love some balls in Jamaica. I'd yeah. love some balls. We just donated some balls into um, Indonesia recently because okay, yeah. obviously we're very happy to do that. Um, in terms of where, where the money comes from, um, so... A percentage comes from the UK in terms of donations. We'll probably bring in around, I guess, ten ten thousand ball sales a year from the through the UK. 
Um, and a big normally about sixty to seventy percent of that will be part of the kind of donation balls. Yeah. Um, but I think what's great about um, Alive and Kicking is the majority of sales are actually local, yeah. and we are we are like now that we you know we're, we're starting to grow a little bit and people are starting to find out more about us and people want to buy balls in Europe, which is great. And mm. randomly we seem to get lots of sales from Canada and just oh, really? states. We, we haven't done any advertising, so I'm not sure how they know about this. <laughs> but um, I think what's great is we're, we're built. Our sustainability is built on local sales. Yeah. You just ask, like, you know, how many kind of where, where does the income there come from there? And it's it's mainly retail actually. Okay. So the equivalent of supermarket, you know, the, the equivalent supermarkets of Tesco and ASDA, um, they buy they stop our the balls. balls. Okay. They stock the balls and sell them, and that's probably about forty percent of our sales. That's really good. Um, and then it's a mix of corporates buying them for events, mm-hmm. um, NGOs, you know, particularly sports NGOs using them for their for their own programs, yeah. um, and then also we get a lot of. Um, well, I guess yeah, entrepreneurs. So about 20% of our sales are people coming in and saying, I'd like to buy some balls in bulk. And actually, I live wow, yeah. 200, 300 miles that way. <clears throat> There's a market for me. Yeah. I can buy the balls from you and sell them. And I think what what the, the way that we've... It's, it's been a bit of a challenge, you know. You're obviously up against some some big names when it comes to the ball market. Um, but I think people appreciate the quality. So I, so I like going back to that, why we started creating a ball that lasts longer. Yeah. So on, on, on top of ground... <laughs> On you know on rock, our ball will last about eight to nine times longer than a standard synthetic oh, really? ball. Um, and I think when people start to appreciate the quality, that's when you yeah. start to come back. Yeah. And I think that's why, like fair play um, to Jim who set up the organisation. Like it, he created an amazing product in 15 years. The fact it's still going in, yeah, in three really, countries really is, good. is yeah, it's impressive. Yeah, really good. Um, I'm not sure if I'm jumping the gun again. I'm sure I've done it many times anyway, so I'm sure it won't matter. But in terms of the countries, you said it's used in the local countries too. Is it used just as like, as you mentioned, like corporates and just people, your average job going to a store to buy, or is it actually used with football clubs too in those countries? Yeah. Um, so this kind of brings up a nice conversation because it's how we're having to develop as an organisation. Yeah. Um, so traditionally, it was used by everyone. It, it mm-hmm. was you know playing in the garden with your, with your kids to a professional side in the Zambia yeah. Premier League using one. Um, but So our, our um, balls are mainly made out of um, local leather offcuts. Mm-hmm. So effectively it's waste from a local tannery. Yeah. Um, they can't use it for anything else so that we can actually cut it into the pentagons and hexagons to make wow. a really decent football. Um, which is, is a nice story but also it means, you know, now as you'll know, like in the professional, in professional sport, in football, in netball, in, in handball, it's a... It's a synthetic ball. It has to be, mm-hmm. um, and our markets are tw- twigging onto that. They're starting to realise actually, you know, we, we love your football, but can you do us a yeah. a shiny synthetic as well? So what we're finding now, actually, more and more, is that our leather balls, the kind of the more durable ones, are used for training. So clubs will use them for you know day in day out yeah. on the training pitch, and then when it comes to a match day, they'll use a synthetic ball, um, and that's where we're now looking to go into that market. Um, so you might have even tripped, tripped over one when you came in the office today. We've got a few uh, examples. Um, but we're looking to make a... It's still be hand-stitched, mm-hmm. um, which gives it its strength. Um, we'll have a backing as well, which will give it a bit of extra strength. Um, we're just looking to see where we can source that material ethically yeah. um, and environmentally as well. Um, but yeah, that's kind of the next step, is to try and cater for that market. And I think the other exciting thing about that is once you start to make that kind of ball, it opens you up to, to international different markets sports. as well. Yeah. And different sports, yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. All right, brilliant. Um, this is all really, really good. We've met before, 
But mm. even now, I'm still learning more things. But guys, we'll take a little break now. And then when we'll come back, I guess we'll talk about the, the challenges um, Ben and his team have faced in, in what they're doing. So see you guys in a bit. Hi, guys. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Africa Sports Unified. And I hope you're enjoying the podcast. Please do let us know your thoughts. If you have any topics you would like us to discuss or people you want to join us on a podcast, then we'll be keen to know more. Connect with us on social media, AS Unified, across all platforms, or simply leave a comment. Hope you guys enjoy the rest of the show. Okay, guys, um, welcome back. So, as I mentioned, we're going to talk more about um, the challenges that Ben and his team have faced. Um, so... Yeah, straight over to you, Ben. So, what are some of the challenges that you have faced in 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 the growth of um, Lavin Kicking? Yeah, I suppose one of the big ones has been around um, price. Yeah. So, because obviously we're we're big on on the ethical side of our employment, so we we pay um, fair wages, we give people access to you know the benefits that we take for granted, like holiday pay, like yeah. sick pay, um, access to a pension scheme, these yeah. kind of things. Uh, that is obviously that kind of drives up the price of the ball. Um, and also, just you know, the manufacturing we get locally can can make it more expensive than the the imports that are coming in. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's often the challenge is kind of getting across not only the story of our ball but the quality of the ball um, and the fact that it lasts eight times eight to nine times longer than a than a standard synthetic ball. Um, so when you're you know you walk into a shop and there are two options, you've got an alive and kicking ball for the equivalent of about ten pounds. And then there's an import there, yeah. um, which is probably about five pounds, machine stitched. Yeah. Um, no disrespect to it, but it probably won't last yeah. very long. Um, so it's trying to show people what you know, pay a little bit extra, and actually your ball's going to last a lot longer. Mm. And also at the same time, you're contributing to local employment, you're contributing to ball donations to yeah. to clubs around you, and you're you're contributing to you know health education programs. So that's. A challenge and still is actually because you know we, we, we have small teams in each country we have a small team here and we don't necessarily have um i guess marketing expertise and yeah. brand expertise which is i guess i'll come on to later when i'm talking about how people can get involved yeah. um, that's definitely a challenge how do um, you try to get there but how no do reason. you i'm just going to come to this later but how do you try and go about um challenging that in terms of price and challenging people's perceptions in it but again does that lead to like the marketing expertise that you may be touching later on or I think it's been the main thing has been people using it. So because we've been around for quite a long time, yeah. that gets out. And you know, when you've got clubs using it, NGOs using it, people are just seeing it more and more yeah. and more on football yeah. pitches, and they're like, "Oh wow, what's this?" Okay, um, and that's really helped. But I think the marketing side of it is something we need to do more. And we are doing bits and bobs. You know, just you know, the World Cup's coming, and the Women's World Cup, yeah. um, and also there's African Nations, obviously. Um, so it's working with. Um, you know supermarkets and saying hey can we do some kind of marketing yeah. campaign over a day where people come in and, and they, they work out actually yeah. where this ball's made and the story behind it um, which is something we haven't done lots of in the past um, so that's yeah, we definitely need to do more of okay cool sounds good um, so I know there are others so what's like another challenge that, that you faced um, this is going to sound a bit um, strange as well but um, <clears throat> a perception of a ball being made locally yeah and I remember actually uh, it was, I think it was a it was at the um, the last event, okay, uh, your, your event, event yeah. and we're just talking about often that perception of of a business or yeah. a sports business within Africa, you know, in a manufacturing business, maybe they're not as good a quality. Yeah, which is completely wrong. Um, and we we find that um, 
people like to see made in Pakistan, made in China, because that's where actually I think it's something like ninety percent of footballs are made in Pakistan. Wow. Um, so understandably, you know, that's what people are used to, and they see that and they go, okay, this this will be a good ball. So when they see made in Kenya, made in Ghana, made in Zambia, they're like, oh, is this going to be good? Um, so it's, yeah, it's challenging that perception, and again, that goes back to the the brand and marketing. I mm-hmm. suppose it's 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 showing people that we can make a really really decent. Um, FIFA standard. Are those are those perceptions? Do they come from like Europe and the Western world, or is it even within this? Different it's mainly within. Yeah, really? it's, I mean, Ghana is our big, our strongest example. In Ghana, we don't even mention at the moment wow. that our ball is made in Ghana, wow. because people won't buy it. Um, they'll only buy balls that are made in Pakistan. We don't we don't say they're made in Pakistan, yeah. but um, we just don't say. We just say like the live and cooking brand is there. Um, and people get to know the quality and buy it because of that, not because it's made in Ghana, which I think wow. is quite interesting. That is, um, <clears throat> that touches on many, many different, like, on a wider scale mm. about just, oh. interrupt. <laughs> yeah, as you mentioned, just like a perceptions um, on what's deemed to be quality and what's deemed not to be quality. Well, yeah, that's another topic for another day, though, yeah. for sure. It is, isn't it? Um, and yeah, and I suppose the other, the other challenge is, one, one is around transport, so... Mm. We're able to distribute balls very easily within country. When it comes to cross-border, that can be a bit of a yeah. challenge. It, it really varies depending on which country you're going to, and it can, you know, you can you can deliver 500 balls to a country and everything's fine, and the next yeah. time it can be very different. Um, and the other one is, is growth actually. So when it because we operate a not-for-profit model and we we put our profits into um, our health education programs yeah. and ball donations, we often don't think enough about like how we grow. Yeah. Um, our centre or you know potentially opening a new centre in a new country yeah. or as we were discussing before we started today you know opening smaller centres within yeah. countries where you can have almost mini alive and kicking centres making balls um, so I think that's something we need to be better at is saying you know even the, this launch of a synthetic ball at the moment we don't have any capital to, to, yeah. to kind of start experimenting with that and we really should so it's kind of thinking we should always be have that next step in mind yeah. um, and making sure we've got money aside for it you mentioned uh, you mentioned transport. Is that I don't know? Is it could that just be like random? As you said, one day you can transport five hundred balls easily. Next day, there's yeah. issues. Is that due to like the political scene and things, or is it just 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 how it is? I don't know. Yeah, it just seems to be how it is. I mean, I, given an example, we we're making balls in Zambia and shipping them to to South Africa, um, and the first five hundred balls we delivered um, went through customs smooth as you like yeah. and no issues and then the second literally two weeks later exactly the same process and they were stuck there for about three weeks oh, wow. and we don't know why we were never really given a reason and that, that tent there's, there's a bit of a pattern there um, it's definitely getting easier though um, we're finding like particularly in Kenya actually East Africa we're getting we're getting much better at as in um, moving moving balls in and around East Africa from East Africa to different regions. so yeah moving balls in and around East Africa so moving okay. balls from Kenya to Rwanda yeah, yeah, to Tanzania yeah, to Uganda yeah. Um, we're getting what you did. Still, still a challenge in Southern Africa, um, and, and and even um, like duties. So if we want to get, we'll, we'll find that, that you know that, that, that there tends to be agreements in place, but they're not always followed. So mm-hmm. we actually try to get some balls into Malawi recently, and they the the custom charges on them more than double the price of the ball. Wow! Which when you've already got quite an expensive ball, yeah. Like understandably, the customers saying that they're not going to pay it. Yeah, so. Okay. Um, it makes it hard for us to to grow into into new markets, definitely. Mm, that yeah. is, that's interesting. Just things yeah. that you may not think about the surface of things, but when you're actually in it, yeah, it's, it's surprising. It's amazing. I want to I want to mention also, <clears throat> in terms of like I don't know if this is like 
are there loads of red tape that you have to pass or go through even to like establish what you've done in those three African countries or even to or even to grow? Is it difficult to to do that? Or are they or were they quite like welcoming you guys in when you first went to those countries? It's definitely varied from country to country. And I think that's that's where the kind of the fact that it's been driven locally is so important. Yeah. Like as a UK charity, like our, our role is very much around kind of um, supporting that growth, supporting you know financially, yeah. supporting with expertise and capacity, but actually the kind of building up from from within is is very much responsible locally. Um, so that's where you've got the local expertise, and that's um, I mentioned earlier. You, you have a local board, yeah. so that's representatives from different companies um, within that country. You have local management, so you have a country director and a management team there. Um, so when you're bringing those people in, they already have that, yeah. that expertise, so they can kind of um, uh, yeah, move their way through that and, and set up an organisation. It's definitely there's definitely been challenges along the way, um, but I think because we've always set it up as a local organisation rather than saying right, I've been kicking the UK charities coming in and we're going to set up this big thing. I understandably they'd be like, hang on a second, why? Um, so that's why yeah, it's always been important for it to yeah. be a, a locally run setup. Hmm. I want to ask another question too, but I think you've kind of answered it, but I'll ask it regardless. So one thing that really stuck out. Um, to me from the event that we ran was um, the whole issue on, on trust and building trust. Have you guys gone about building trust within with your partners within the local country that you're in? Have you guys gone about doing that? And is it and then more so? What's the what's been the perception towards you guys from people looking in? If that makes sense. Yeah. Um. I think like, perception looking in, it, it varies. So uh, within country, I don't think people look at us as a, they don't necessarily look at us as a not-for-profit yeah. um, ball manufacturer that's doing all this, but they just look at it, they see us as a, as a ball set, yeah. uh, a ball manufacturer. Um, which, you know, it, it, it's not necessarily a bad thing. You know, if they're, if they're buying the balls and we're able to fulfill that mission, that's great. Um, in the UK, perception is different. Um, they look at us as a charity, um, so that can change things. But I think in terms of trust, um, how we built it I think people have always I think locally people have always I don't know, I'm probably biased because I work I work <laughs> for Lemon Kicking but um, I guess the proof is in the pudding like when you when you deliver the balls and you deliver the balls on time and the quality yeah. is there then you can build the trust that way um, and I think that's why we get we're, we're quite lucky that we get a lot of repeat sales mm-hmm. um, particularly through retail and things um, and then us kind of I guess building trust with our customers that that's that's had its ups and downs, and I can I can tell you, I won't tell you who, but you know, you know, certain governments of countries haven't haven't paid us for three or four years, yeah. um, and and that's been a challenge. So you just have to be really careful around you know when you're selling balls, whether you're yeah. you know you make sure you've got a certain amount upfront uh, before you start making them. Yeah. Um, but no, I think I think the perception um, that's a really good question. It is very different from from, from how they look at the UK charity and how they look at each country, but I mm. think. Um, because we've been able to make a good quality ball, um, and, and and like I say, deliver it on time most of the time anyway. Um, that trust has built up over yeah. over the years. Yeah. No, it's just uh, it's interesting. It's good to know. Because at the event, again, I keep referencing to it, and I always do so because it's really good. <laughs> but um, at the event, um, towards the end, someone made a, uh, a very valid point about not much can be done. In Africa, unless you have some sort of 
not yeah, government involvement. I say even. And you've mentioned about how some governments are more helpful than others, but have they proved? I won't say a stumbling block, but is that true? Is it important to get government involvement for things to actually take off, or for you to do things as well as you would like to? I think it's definitely very helpful. Yeah. Um, I, I don't think it's proven a stumbling block. I think um, we probably could have done a better job of engaging yeah. governments, um, and also there's probably an element of. of we probably could have got a bit more support. Yeah. And we've got some good stuff going on in, in Ghana at the moment, linked in with the United Nations Sustainable okay, Development yeah. Goals. And Ghana's actually famous. They're yeah. one of the, the countries that are really driving them. Um, and the government there is doing that. And we've kind of linked up with, with them on that. And we're hoping that will lead to... We make a, we make an SDG football. Yeah. Um, and we contribute to the SDGs. Um, What's the SDG? Sorry, SDG is a, is a United Nations Sustainable Development Goals. Oh, cool. so a, I just nudged my head, but I was like, I don't know what that is. <laughs> yeah, no, no worries. They, they replaced the Millennium Development Goals, um, and their 17 goals okay. um, have been outlined by um, the United Nations, you know, things around um, achieving no poverty, yeah. achieving decent work and economic growth. So we report on those across those SDGs okay. um, through what we do. So that's been definitely very helpful. Um, so when it, when it when when we collaborate, it definitely works. We've mm. had a few challenges with with sales, um, particularly when a government changes. So yeah. you know, classic in the run up to elections and things, then balls like to be bought. Yeah. Um, and then the, the the government will change, and we, we unfortunately it's quite a challenge getting any money out of um, the next government to to pay for those balls. But uh, yeah, I think it's, it's. I wouldn't say it's been a stumbling block. I think we could have done more. Yeah. Um, to engage, and I think maybe there could have been more from the other side as well. Cool, makes sense. Um, and now let's move on slightly. We've spoken about how you guys have gone around, you know, in certain countries, the impact that you have there. We've spoken about certain challenges that you face, and now, so what? What's next for you, Kay? How How you guys? You mentioned about growth maybe is a challenge, but how do you guys try to grow? How can people get involved? Um, so yeah, what's what's next for NK? What's next? Um, yeah, so for us, you know, our our, our model is around creating a, a biased here, but a beautiful, um, durable football. It, which it actually is. You're not biased. I will go on the website, go on the socials, but I want to take pictures. They're really, really good. Really good balls. Yeah, they're all right, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you can design your own, by the way, just as a as an add-on there. But uh, yeah, I forgot what I was saying. So it was. Um, yeah, what next? Uh, and I think for us, you know, where there's demand for footballs and demand for good quality footballs and demand for ethical employment, yeah. then we're definitely open to, to um, going into those areas. And that might be a new area within a country we already exist in, or it might be a new country altogether. Yeah. And that's something we're doing all the time. So we're constantly researching um, what country next, and we have a, a few a few lined up. Yeah. And that has a lot to do with, you know, the ball market, but also can you get materials locally? Because that's okay, yeah. we always wanted to come. That's a big part of what we do. Um, so definitely opening more alignment kicking centres, making more balls, creating more ethical jobs, mm-hmm. um, and I think building our partnerships so that we're able to donate more balls to organisations that are going to use them in the very best way, and they're going to yeah. be they're going to be used for hours on end by young people. Um, and also linking up with with organisations around you know schools um, or football teams or other sports teams around our kind of our upskilling of local coaches yeah so that's the, the health program i don't know if i mentioned but we, we, we just um in partnership with arsenal 
and oh, really the, good. the Premier League Charitable Trust, we really good, yeah. um, developed a mental health education program, delivered all through football football drills directly. Um, we had our pilot in in Zambia in um, in March, and the results already have been really really interesting. So we're looking to grow that. Yeah. So yeah, I think like, generally in terms of growth, we'd love to move into new countries, and for that, of course, we need we need um, people who are willing to to get involved. Uh, as partners, um, people who know the market will always appreciate that expertise. Um, but also, yeah, looking to grow, getting bought up to more people. Mm. Um, and that might be beyond Africa as well. Um, and yeah, and, and definitely growing our, our, our health education programs. I think there will be a focus definitely for, for mental health at the moment. Yeah. That's The reason we developed that actually was because our countries and our, our beneficiaries and our centres asked for it. They said, this okay. is the need and we want to, we want to focus on it. Um, so that's definitely what the what the future holds, and, and new balls. Who knows? You know the new synthetic ball, yeah. um, the you know new other balls from rugby balls to, to American footballs. Who knows? And hopefully one day we'll will be the World Cup World Cup football. You know, you never know. You got to dream big. You got to dream big. That 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 will be excellent. Hmm. Um, ben, you mentioned about new countries. How do you go about um, deciding where to go? Is it more so the oldest and new guys like doing your research and being like hey this is it or is it if a government or someone comes to you and be like hey we'd love you to come to our country how, how does it work yeah we get a lot of interest from people saying you know we, we, we would love that and i think it's a bit of a mix of both we do do a lot of research around you yeah. know the, the size of the ball market whether there's a need for employment um whether you can access the majority mm. of materials locally um, how easy it is to transport balls around that country and beyond. Um, so it, it's probably mainly that. And then actually, and the other big element, sorry, I should have said, is yeah. is who's on the ground. Yeah. And it goes back to that trust thing. That is. Um, and when you've got way. when you've got an organisation, and this might be a way that um, your your listeners might want to get involved is if they have an organisation or if they they know of organisations that would be interested in knowing more. Um, we link up with them, and that's where we really start to you know mm-hmm. if it says it's a sport NGO in. Yeah. Uh, in Uganda who knows the sports market um, could chat to us and then actually help us you know open it and even you know bring employees in and help us with our ball donation program and, and, and so on so it's a, it's a mixture of people asking for it having a good local partner and the research part yeah, as well yeah um, and I guess actually so it's a football you actually do rugby balls too yeah, American footballs, netballs, and handballs. As wow, well. there yeah. you go. You guys do not discriminate. It's not just football. That's it. <laughs> but through all the sports that you that you guys are involved in, and you make balls for, um, is an area of growth or collaboration possibly to get that like, partner with uh, athletes in, in those sports to maybe I don't know, be a charity partner or whatnot. And how do you go about again trying to get this in front of the right crowd in order for that things to happen? Yeah, I'm really glad you asked that. That's, <laughs> yeah, that's one of our biggest challenges. Yeah. Um, we'd love that. We'd love to have um, ambassadors, um, people who are happy to talk about what we do yeah. um, and, and hold hold the football or hold the rugby ball in their hands, um, definitely. And it is. I think it goes back to us having that, that capacity around marketing and, and, and brand awareness yeah. and that side of things. We just find it very hard to access people. And understandably, you know, sports athletes these days are doing amazing things outside of, of actually... Um, playing their sport mm-hmm. um, with football clubs there's obviously the foundations you know every Premier League club has its own foundation and the players are kind of wrapped into that and they also have their own things going on 
Um, so yeah, it can be it can be quite hard to to get in front of people. What we do find is when we when we do get there and we tell the story, yeah. people really like it. Um, you know, we've got we're really lucky. We've got Rachel Yankee, who is one of the most capped yeah. um, players for England. She's been fantastic. Um, but we would love to grow that, uh, and, and that links into I mean, one of the ways we're moving forward, we're launching something called AKFC, uh, which is Alive and Kicking FC. It's effectively a a regular giving program where you can um, get involved with alignment kicking, support us partly financially, but also um, in return you get some amazing. Um, you get you get a kit, you get obviously a football, um, and we're not in terms of growing that. You know, if people want to be part of it um, and and pay into it, fantastic. But even if they don't want to pay into it, if they just want to promote it, yeah, that's something we'd love as well. If they're happy to hold a, an AKFC kit, yeah, tell people that they signed for us. That'd be good. Uh, that'll be really good, yeah. That'd be really, really good. Um, so you mentioned ambassadors. What kind of things do you, so for Rachel Yankee, for example, what kind of things do you get your ambassadors to do? Yeah, so it's, um, the, the main thing is that they really buy into what we do and, and, and are happy to talk about yeah. um, our model, uh, which Rachel is, is fantastic at. Um, and she is yeah, very much um, goes to events for us. So when we're, uh, running events, say here, or we have a, a football tournament, or we have um, a, a half marathon. She will come along and she will engage with our supporters and tell yeah. them the story, which is it's really really helpful. Yeah. Because um, you know they get very bored of my accent pretty quickly, <laughs> so it's great when you've got someone with with Rachel's status talking to people about it. Yeah. And that's the main thing, really, is you know, for an ambassador, it's we have a, a number of events a year. We don't expect people to come to everyone. It's just you know maybe one a year where they can just come along. Talk about what we do, but also mm. in, behind the scenes, they're, they're telling mm. people about what we do mm. as well, um, and that, in you know, as a result, leads to more partnerships, yeah. um, and sometimes leads to sales of balls as well, yeah. which obviously contributes. I think that's that, that's so important because even through doing these podcasts and just speak to people in general, it's about building a a strong sporting ecosystem from the grassroots up. And so I think it's so important not to not to just brush this aside, because um, charities such as yourselves, you do a lot of work in the grassroots, you know, um, providing these balls. You say they haven't done those nations, so loads of people, loads of kids can kick a ball and not through foot, not um, not play to become professional. Mm. Or if they do, great. Mm. But it's life skills, and a whole sporting ecosystem benefits um, the government. Spoken to loads of people myself. I, I didn't mean to talk on this long, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> but, you, but for what you guys are doing, it's amazing because I've spoken to um, many people and they say that maybe how the government may not necessarily understand the importance of, of sports and not just the economical benefit, but the um, the, the happy factor, the feel good factor that it brings yeah, to the nation. Kind of people, it, exactly. Right? Yeah, yeah. Exactly. So, having a charity like yourselves. 4.5 million in those three countries alone, that can be done. That it can help boost the economy. It can help alleviate the burden on the government because if you're not paying for people who are out of work, uh, in the work, it contributes. Mm. So I love the model. It, it's really good. Yeah, appreciate that. It is really <laughs> good. Um, but I want to ask as well specifically, I think I'm just probably answering myself, but why, if you were to, if you're sitting in front of, I don't know, five corporates or potential partners who you guys would love to work with, why, what would you tell them that's so important for them to partner with Alive and Kicking and have, and have a charity partner? 
That's a good question there. Um, I think for us, it's all about sustainable impact. Yeah. So what we find, you know, if, if you invest just even just over a year as a corporate, your impact is not going to be just for that year. It's yeah. going to be for 10, 20, 30, 30 years. Mm-hmm. Um, because you're, you're, as an example, you know, if a corporate in Kenya decides to help that centre grow, so they invest just as like that, £20,000 um, so we can launch a new sports ball in yeah. Kenya. As a result of that, you, you launch this new ball, you create more sales. As a result of creating more sales, you create more jobs. Um, as a result of creating more jobs, you've got people who are able to not only sustain themselves but their families. That's leading to people going to school. It's leading to people accessing healthcare. Um, and then beyond that, you've also got people playing sport and the health side of things. Yeah. Um, and that will then grow and grow and grow. So that corporate has made the contribution in 2019. But those sales have continued to grow into 2020 and they're growing again in 2021. And that corporate can say, in 10 years' time, yeah. you know, Alive and Kicking Kenya is now employing 300 staff, yeah. and we played a huge part of that. Yeah. Um, and that's where we go back to the stats around how much we contribute to the local economy, how many um, jobs we can create. Because um, we can tell them, you know, we can give them a prediction by putting in that investment now that in 10 years' time, this would have happened. Yeah. And I think, yeah, it's, it's long-term sustainable impact that we talk to, to our partners about, yeah. That's great. Really, really good. So, um, what are the other ways that maybe people get involved? Yeah, I'll be honest, but we're really, really open to ideas when it comes to collaboration. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure there are many individuals and organisations out there who um, are working right across Sub-Saharan Africa, who may be working here in Europe, who mm-hmm. are interested in what we do. Um, and that might be around, you know, buying our balls for their programmes. That's, you know, a really simple thing. But it might be about them saying, hey, actually, we've got some connections that could link us up to sports clubs or... Um, sports athletes um, it might be that they've got some marketing ideas for help us to get our ball into um, a new market in a new country it might be that um, they're based in I don't know in Rwanda and they, they'd love to set up an alive and kicking there yeah. so I think the key thing really is if you've got an idea we're, we're always open to it um, you can contact us I'm sure the, the details will be shared but um, yeah give us an email give us a call and we're always very excited yeah. to, to chat to people and of course they make sports balls but this goes wider than sport in general you can partner with like I said corporates or mm. <clears throat> even startups as you mentioned yeah because the balls are really nice guys they are they are really <laughs> cool even just to have on display it's really good and that's that's a good point actually because mm. um i think some of our challenges when people hear sport they might it might be someone who doesn't like sport and yeah. goes oh i'm not interested in this charity and you have to say actually you know it, sport is obviously a, a big part of it but yeah. you know there's a whole thing around creating ethical jobs yeah. there's a whole thing around vital health education yeah um, so sport is obviously a core part, but there are other elements that I think um, people can engage with. Yeah. Well. No, sounds good. But um, <clears throat> before we wrap up, well, I mean, anyway, I have um, some quick fire questions for you to answer. Cool. Okay. I've been doing these lately. I think they're quite good. Catch people <laughs> off guard. All right. So nervous. So if there was, if there was one thing that you introduced to the. African sports market, what would it be? Oof. One aspect. Um, I think for us, it would be kind of alive and kicking all in one, okay. which is basically where we have a ball manufacturer, which we have at the moment, but alongside that, there are local football pitches like, okay. attached yeah. where we can deliver our health programs from. So yeah. I think 
we naturally become a hub yeah. um, for sports and people are coming to us. But if we had football pitches there as well, I think that could be that could add so much to what we need. Cool, makes sense. Next one. Um, would you rather prepare a meal or wash up the dishes afterwards? <laughs> Has this got some like, deep meaning? <laughs> no, just random <laughs> questions. <laughs> I think I'd rather maybe prepare a meal. Yeah, I think everyone said prepare a meal so yeah. far. I definitely would. I'm very happy to wash the dishes, but I think I'd rather prepare a meal. Yeah, I'd just rather prepare a meal. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, who in your opinion has the best job in sports? Ooh. Or what is the best role in sports, if you don't know the person's name or whatever? I mean, I, I, I'm from Newcastle. Yep. And I, I, I have a bit of a massive love for Rafa Benitez. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Um, so, I mean, I, I, I'd love to be him. <laughs> but yeah, that's a really good question. In terms of like, I think it's, I mean, I don't necessarily know the particular roles, but you know, yeah. within within government where people are able to influence sport. Because yeah, yeah. that, that's often where it comes from. And, you know, if you're working for, say, Sport England or UK Sport, where you can really say, you know, these, these are the initiatives that we need to be pushing the government need to be funding these That's things true. because sport is so valuable. Yeah. I think I'd love to be in a, I guess you'd call it a decision maker position, yeah. don't you? Where you can, you can really push the, the, um, the positives of sport. Oh, makes sense. Okay. Um, what was the last song you listened to? This is, this is, this is a terrible question for me. And if, <laughs> if my colleagues were in right now, they'd laugh because <laughs> I have no knowledge of music. <laughs> I actually said the other day, you know, you know, Bros. Yeah. Yeah. So I when you know, the film came out recently. Yeah. And I said, oh, have you heard about that new film, Bros? <laughs> so that's how much I know about music. I don't have a Spotify account. I think I think the last song I listened to was from um, was from oh, what was that? What was that musical recently? The Christmas musical, The Greatest Showman. Oh right, yeah. I think good. it was a song from that. Okay, not too not so, bad. Yeah, not there you bad, go. Not yeah. And um, and finally, maybe this one may not be one answer, but where do you see Ben Sadler in five years' time? That's a good question. It's, it's, it's being part of Alive and Kicking. Whether I'm still in this position, I don't yeah. know. Um, but I think I'm, Alive and Kicking, I've been part of... I mean, I've been working for the organisation for about two years. But I guess I'd, I'd say I've been part of the organisation for about ten because mm. I've kind of volunteered and things yeah. over the years. So I don't see that ending at all. Um, and I guess you know, my role might change. Who knows? Now, I think in, in, in the real world, in, in, in a perfect world, sorry, I think eventually it would be great if the UK didn't exist. Yeah. So when it comes to a new centre opening Uganda, like Kenya would open, yeah. would, would support the opening of it. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I see myself, I suppose, staying within the sport for development. Yeah. I think it's something I love. Like, I feel very lucky that I get to work in sport. I grew up playing football and, and a whole lot of other things. And um, I just think it's so valuable. Yeah. I think the impact it can make is amazing. So yeah, I think still involved in sport for development, still involved in live and kicking, might not be the same role. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Sounds good. And that is a wrap. <laughs> but um, no, Ben, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. It's been very busy and he's uh, squeezed me into his schedule. Um, what's your social handles and website and things like that so people can... Obviously, I'll put a link at the bottom, but just let people know. So website, um, www.aliveandkicking.org. Yep. Um, our handle is at Balls for Africa. Um, and you can email us on info at aliveandkicking.org. Brilliant. There you have it, guys. Once again, Ben, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for coming. No, it's a pleasure. Absolute pleasure. Um, thank you guys for listening. Once again, please do get in contact with Alive and Kicking. Um, like, 
share, subscribe if you haven't already. But let us know your thoughts. Um, is CSR an area that you thought was minimal? Did you realise it could contribute so greatly to, to an economy as a whole? But yeah, you know, message us on all of our socials. And thanks again. And until next time. Take care, guys.